Rise Up theme song, take 13. Answering the difficult and critical questions youth may face that relate to Mormon culture and teachings, this is the Rise Up Podcast, produced by Fair Mormon. Faith crisis is a term describing a period or time or event where someone has serious doubts about their beliefs. You may have even experienced a faith crisis yourself. But how are we to approach those who are experiencing or have experienced this faith crisis? We have a few ideas. There's a website called Millennial Mormons. It's a blog site that posts some decent articles but does so from a perspective and understanding shared by the rising generation, those of you who are in seminary or institute programs currently. The tagline of the site is, Your Grandpa's Gospel, now with hashtags. On that site was posted an article by Tanner Gilliland on November 4th, 2014. I hope that's how he pronounces his last name. If not, I apologize, Tanner. Anyway, this article is entitled, Four Do-Nots, for treating people in a faith crisis. I actually found the article to be a pretty good opening reference that addresses some of the things that we may find ourselves doing or thinking with respect to people that experience a faith crisis. While I don't agree with all the assertions, uh, they are minor, and I trust that you'll be smart enough and in tune enough to take the correct spirit of the article and not haggle over a couple of words. Now, I want to read you the article. It isn't long, but then I want to reflect briefly on it at the end. And I mean briefly because the article does a pretty good job. Here it is, entitled, Four Do-Nots for Treating People in Faith Crisis. With more and more information becoming available on the internet, more and more people are asking important questions about the church and its history. Sometimes these questions lead to serious doubts. Many of these doubts and concerns are not easily solved and require much prayerful effort, patience, and study. Some people feel that they can't find adequate answers to their questions, so they leave the church. This usually is not an easy decision for them. Some lose friends or family, and others even lose their employment. It is imperative that faithful members of the church, particularly millennials, learn how to appropriately interact with those who wrestle with doubt. To that end, I have created this list of things not to do when someone you know raises serious questions about religion. Number one, do not assume that they're sinning. While sin certainly darkens our minds, it is not always the cause of doubt. We must eliminate the stigma that those who doubt have some lurking evil and that those who leave the church were just looking for a way out. This unrighteous judgment can be both harmful to us, it is a sin, and detrimental to the person we are judging. 2. Do not pretend that you know all the facts. Our religion is very complex. There are aspects of our doctrine and history that are very difficult to understand, and we don't claim to know all the answers. People who are deeply concerned with these issues have often given them many hours of study and consideration, so the quote-unquote seminary answers often don't quite cut it. Rather than throwing out platitudes, Try to understand their perspective. Share what you know and understand, and acknowledge that you don't know everything. Always be honest. Number three, do not belittle their concerns. 
As one who ventures down the rabbit hole, so to speak, I can testify of the frustration that comes when someone tells you not to worry so much. If we believe that our religious convictions will affect our eternal destiny, then of course we should worry about getting it right. What seems like a minuscule molehill to you might be a monstrous mountain for another. We can't solve problems by ignoring them. Remember that our religion started with a boy who had some serious religious questions. Instead of disregarding the question, listen to the concerns and help find the answers. Number four, don't ostracize them. Though this is the last item, it is probably the most important. Nobody should feel like they aren't able to express their concerns for fear of losing friends or family. Our love cannot be conditional upon someone's level of belief. Christ-like love is unconditional. To individuals with spouses whose beliefs are different, remember the counsel of Paul. And the woman which hath an husband that believeth not, and if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 13 through 14. People need your love, not your diagnosis. Expressing doubt or even leaving the church does not equate to being a bad person. In the end, even the acts of good by atheists will be counted to them as righteousness. God's love does not have a membership number or require a temple recommend. Neither should ours. From the Joseph Smith Papers Project to the video about temple clothing, this church is taking progressive steps towards transparency and more open dialogue about controversial issues. I believe that our generation will be instrumental in continuing that trend. Let us always be quick to lend a listening ear, a supportive shoulder, and most importantly, an open heart. That's the end of the article. Now, a couple of the issues that I have, just to get those out of the way really quick, is I, for one, don't know of too many instances where people have lost their employment because they have decided to have doubts about the church. I don't know that that is a fair assumption, but maybe it has happened, so be it. One of the other things that I want to be in tune with is the idea that, well, people do have a variety of reasons or things that influence them to experience a faith crisis. And while it may not be our place to judge them, at least in the condemnation sense, it is our place to help them. And in order to help people, at least in the most effective way, we do have to find some ways to judge what is the best course of action. So again, when we talk about judging people in a faith crisis, it can often be used with terms like judging, that's a loaded kind of term. But the idea being that if we are to judge, we should do righteous judgment, and that is to figure out the best ways to help them resolve their concerns. One of the things that I like about being associated with Fair Mormon is that it's an effort dedicated to finding answers to difficult or critical questions about the church. So where people are in a faith crisis and they are genuinely interested in finding answers, feel free to point them to fairmormon.org. Now, whether you know someone right now experiencing some challenges to their faith or not, you will likely encounter someone in the not-so-distant future. So it's best to have this information and resource at the ready should this come up. Should you be experiencing a faith crisis right now yourself and someone is not following these four basic principles in dealing with you? 
try to do your best to also extend to them the same level of understanding you want others to have with you. So let's take these four things and reverse them with a slight adjustment. My number one is don't assume that people are judging you harshly. My experience is that people in the church, for the most part, are very genuine in wanting people to be happy and comfortable and welcome in the faith. So it's safe to assume that people are not trying to judge you harshly, even if at times it may come across that way. Number two, don't assume that people know nothing about faith challenges. Many go through them. Many come through them with even stronger faith than when they entered their faith crisis. So don't just assume that nobody knows your story. It is a church and an experience of community on purpose because we can often find strength from the experiences of others. Number three, do not belittle people who are trying to show concern but may not be the best at being crisis counselors. Again, we're dealing with a group of people that are imperfect. As they try their best to show concern, they may fall short in doing so. So try not to belittle the people who are trying to show concern. Number four, do not ostracize yourself. I once heard the analogy that the worst time to leave the storm shelter is when the hurricane is passing over you. In other words, If you're having a faith crisis and you're scared or upset and don't know where to turn for help or answers, it is best to not leave the church, the source of strength that you will need to help you through this time, especially when you're in the middle of this trial where you're seeking for answers. Now, we don't always know how to respond to people when they encounter difficulties in life, whether they be faith-related or not. So in all cases, no matter what side of a faith crisis you may find yourself, remember to be patient with others. Be patient with yourself as you would want patience shared in this experience. It is hasty decisions and hasty conclusions that often cause discord and further disharmony. Faith crisis is not easy, but it is something that many people have found their way through. And by following these four steps of things not to do when you're dealing with someone in a faith crisis, or if you're following the four steps of things to do when you're in a faith crisis, all of these things are good to keep in mind as faith crisis is something that all of us may either encounter ourselves or in our friends. In conclusion, I want to share with you a thought that was kind of sneaky from the October 2014 General Conference. Elder Anderson gave a talk, and in the footnote of that talk was a quote from President Eyring that says this about how to approach those in faith crisis. Quote, In your love for them, you may decide to try and give them what they ask. You may be tempted to go with them through their doubts, with the hope that you can find proof or reasoning to dispel their doubts. Persons with doubts often want to talk about what they think are the facts or the arguments that have caused their doubts and about how much it hurts. You and I can do better if we do not stay long with what our students see as the source of their doubts. Their problem does not lie in what they think they see. It lies in what they cannot yet see. 
We do best if we turn the conversation soon to the things of the heart, those changes of heart that open spiritual eyes. Thank you for listening to this episode of Rise Up. This has been a production of Fair Mormon. This and other podcasts are available at fairmormon.org. The opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of Fair Mormon or the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Please subscribe to our show in iTunes under the name Mormon Faircast. Questions or comments can be posted at blog.fairmormon.org in conjunction with this episode. Tune in each week for another episode of Rise Up. Thank you for listening.